You know a dream is like a river, ever changing as it flows. And a dream is just a vessel that must follow where it goes. Trying to run from what's behind and never knowing what's in store makes each day a constant battle or just a stay between the show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am Max Ivy. Known around the world as the blind blogger, and I want to welcome you to another episode of What's Your Excuse, where I will help you explode those excuses that are holding you back by interviewing people, uh, those who have overcome adversity or thrived in spite of difficult life circumstances, people who have started out on their own and created a new business, experts who have advice that's been tested in the real world, or people I just happen to be interested, motivated, or inspired by. And uh, you can find me at theblindblogger.net. It's where you can hire me to help you get booked on podcasts and radio shows. It's also where you can buy the What's Your Excuse show merchandise. And uh, I do want you all to visit a couple of people who've really helped out by sponsoring the show. Uh, Chip Edwards at createmyvoice.com, who will help get your podcast or your blog where it can be found on Alexa and Google. And you can visit him by going to create my createmyvoice.com where you can say Alexa play create my voice or you can say Google talk to create my voice and reach out to them oh <laughs> uh, that's that's Alexa showing up when I didn't ask her to so um but createmyvoice.com and also the guy who provides my shirts, neatoshop.com, uh, N-E-A-T-O. Alex is really good over there. He provides great quality shirts at good prices, and the ordering process is very simple, even for me. So today I have Ben Baker with me. He is a uh, person who specializes in helping people create brands through uh, the sharing or telling of their stories. He's a professional speaker. He's a coach, operates workshops. You can find him at yourbrandmarketing.com. Uh, he's also written a book about branding, and he's got a new course coming out. So, uh, so hi, Ben, and uh, welcome to What's Your Excuse? Max, it is great being on the show. Thank you for sharing the mic with me today. Well, it's my honor and, and pleasure, and hoping, looking forward to a good conversation. Um, one thing I noticed on your uh, on your your website and stuff is you are a, a storyteller or somebody helps people tell stories. And I'm, I'm a storyteller. I'm also a big fan of good storytelling. So I know that this is going to turn out really well. Well, you know what? We'll tell, we'll just end up telling stories to each other and, and, <laughs> and, and, our, and your audience gets to listen in. So I, I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit how, about how you got into doing what it is you're doing now and what your main focus is as, a, uh, as somebody who creates brands? Sure. I've been in the marketing, branding, and communication space for just over a quarter century now. I uh, left wow. high tech about 25 years ago. I'm, I'm a, a recovering high tech sales guy. And I realized that I was spending most of my life in the air. You know, I was George Clooney. I was the guy that, you know, basically left. If you were in my seat and I needed to get on that plane, you were off and I was on. I had more miles than I know what to do with. 
And I am very happy I don't have that life anymore. But what I realized is the part I really loved was helping people tell their story, helping new brands create that, you know, excitement and, and helping people tell a story in a way that was engaging, it was relevant, and it was meaningful to the people that they were trying to sell the story to because most companies sit there and say, it's all about me. And the question that most companies need to ask instead is, what's the story that I can tell about myself that's engaging to the people that matter to me? The people that are actually, that are my audience, the people that actually will buy from me or engage with me or compelled by me, how do I tell a story in their language that is going to be relevant to them so they're going to listen, understand, and value me, and then want to engage? So that's the journey I've been on for about 25 years. And I've done everything from direct mail to promotional marketing to guerrilla marketing, social media marketing. You name it, I've been involved in it. And what I realized is that as I was involved with all these things, the question I kept asking my clients is, well, who are you really? What are you really about? You know, who do you really serve and why do they care? And it really always brought me back to brand. And and about 12, 14 years ago, when I went out on my own, I guess it was, uh, when was it? It was... 2007, end of 2007, beginning of 2008. Great time to start a company, everybody. If you ever want to start a company, do it in the height of a recession. That's the best time to start a company. Just thank God for customers that absolutely love me. And we survived. But what I realized was that until people understood who they truly were, what they truly valued, the services and the products that they actually you know, did offer and what made them unique, they couldn't market it. So that's where I really got involved in the brand. And over the last five to seven years, we've really looked at if, and the challenge is most people brand for the outside. They, they brand for the outside company. They brand for, you know, the people that are going to be buying your product. The problem is most employees don't understand the brand value. And because of that, they're not engaged. They don't stay with the company and they don't grow with the company. So over the last five to seven years, what we've done is we've switched to internal communication and helping companies tell the story of their brand internally to be able to keep their employees engaged. So in a nutshell, that's that's where we came from and that's where we are today. Right. So I, I, th- I thought of two things there. One, I've been telling people for a long time now, that people don't buy your product or service, they buy your story. So you better be really good at telling that story. And the other thing I was thinking of is, is that you hear this a lot in sports. They talk about how when a team fails, it's usually because the players aren't buying into the philosophy of the head coach or assistant coaches. A lot of truth to that. No, it's, it's true. I mean, the, the story is so important. You know, if, if you can have employees – that understand the story of the brand, where you came from, where you are, who you serve, why you serve them, where you're going, and also understand where they fit in, how what they specifically does is an integral part of the overall success, 
they're going to buy in. And that's where great cultures and that's where great companies and that's where great brands get created. And that's where great customer experience comes in. And all of a sudden you build brand champions from your clients and companies grow. But until the employees know, like, and trust the company and believe that that company has their interests at heart, they're not going to go out and they're not going to be advocates of your brand to your customers. Okay. And I think you like to say that um, when we don't manage this properly, that every time we lose a, a, an employee that can cost you a company up to a hundred thousand dollars or something like that. Yeah, that's, that's statistics. And that number is pretty low. You know, there, there's things that say if you lose an executive, it can be two and a half times their annual salary. And what most people realize is they go, oh, come on, it doesn't cost me $100,000 to hire somebody. I says, no, it's not just the hiring process. It's the fact that the other employees that are around this person are having to do the work of the other person, so they're inefficient. Jobs get missed. Customers get, you know, miffed and pissed off because that their, you know, their jobs are not being taken care of properly. Employee, you know, employees take customers with them when they leave the company and they, you know, they take them to wherever they move to, uh, you know, there's inefficiencies, there's the hiring process, there's the onboarding process, there's the training process. There's the fact that new employees are going to mess up at least once, you know, while they're learning, you know, the culture of the new company. And that could be worth, you know, 10 to 25 to a hundred thousand dollars right there. You know, but it's it's the overall investment of bringing a, a new employee on board. You know, it's expensive, and it takes time to get an employee to the fact where they're efficient. They understand the culture. They understand. You know, they they feel like they belong within the company, and they become advocates of the brand. So it's all that time and all that effort and all those things that go along with it that can lead to be it being very expensive. Every time a customer, every time an employee leaves you. All right. So what are uh, maybe one thing that you think that companies do that uh, will help retain these employees? And maybe one thing you see them, a lot of them doing that's causing them to, to not ever get to the point that they, that these employees are considered part of their brand. You know what? It's the same word. It's leadership. It's leadership and communication, either, Great leadership and great communication or poor leadership and poor communication. You know, if, if employees do not feel that they're listened to, that they're understood and they're valued, they're not going to be engaged and they're not going to feel valued and they're not going to stay with the company and they're not going to grow with the company. But if you've got a leader that inspires, that coaches, that mentors, that gives this person a safe space where they can learn and they can grow and they can make mistakes and they know that they're not going to be, you know, chastised for every single mistake that they make, but they're going to see it as a learning experience. They're going to stay with that company. So it really comes down to great internal communication, great culture and great leadership. Right. And then I was listening to one of your past podcast interviews and you talked about how they're a good leader will purposely train his employees to the point that he makes himself uh, redundant at his current level, because that's the only way he can move up. Right. I learned this from a woman by the name of Nancy Richardson. Nancy 
used to be, if I remember correctly, she was the vice president of marketing for Lululemon at the time. And this is going back six or seven years. Sorry, Nancy, I don't know where you've gone to now. But Nancy <laughs> believed that, you know, says, until you can hire somebody who can take your place, you do not deserve to be promoted. Because it's your job to to not only to hire, but to train and motivate the person who's going to take over your position because that gives you the opportunity to say, listen, my job is done. Somebody else can do my job. I'm irrelevant in this position. My job now is to move up within this company. And, you know, and Nancy truly believed that. And she trained three or four um, people that, that ended up taking her position along her way within various companies. And that is how she got promoted by showing people that, you know what, it's not about me. It's about the people that, that I train and that I coach and that I mentor and that I lead. And my job is to make them better. And by doing that, I've showed that I'm ready for the next level. And uh, is there possibly a, an example from your own uh, coaching and training experience you could share with us to give us a little better understanding of how this would work? Yeah, I mean, when I had staff, and I don't have staff anymore, but when I had staff, you were not allowed to come into my office with a problem. You had to come into my office with a problem and two solutions. So you had to sit there and actually think of it and sit there and go, okay, this is the problem. This is how it's affecting either my customer, the company, whatever, or the company and the customer. Here are two different ways we can fix it. Ben, what do you think? And that's training people how to lead. That's training people how to think beyond and not just coming up to me, Ben, I've got a problem. You need to fix it. You know, it's yeah. not up to me. You know, ultimately, it's my decision whether we take one of those two decisions or we do something completely different. But I want to train them how to think of how to be problem solvers. And that was probably the biggest thing I ever did was teaching people not to just come to me with every problem, but they had to come to me with a problem and two different ways that we could solve that problem because that trained them to think at a higher level. That's yeah, definitely a great a great approach. Uh, it's something that I personally appreciate because um, I do believe that a lot of our progress comes down to deciding between uh, between finding excuses or finding solutions. So that's some good training that you put them through there. Um, now, there was one thing I wanted to ask about about what is it about five or six years ago? I think you were in a we're in a car accident. Yeah, about seven years like ago now. Two and a half, about two and a half years of your life was basically involved in uh, medical procedures, rehab, attorneys, insurance, that sort of stuff. I just wonder, how did you manage to keep uh, to keep your your business going or to keep moving forward when all that stuff was happening to you? Yeah, actually, it was closer to four years. Um, the accident was in April 2013. And we finally settled with lawyers, uh, I guess about February, 2017. So it was about, it was about four years time. And the problem was, is during that time, not only was I not able to work full time, if I was lucky, I was working about four hours a day. But at the time I, I live in Canada, I'm a U.S. citizen and most of my clients were in the U.S. 
And I ended up losing the majority of my clients because I couldn't go down and visit them because as the lawyers were asking doctors to poke and prod me and write evaluations and tests on me, the insurance company wouldn't insure me to move to, to, to go down to the United States because they're saying, well, there, there could be something wrong with you. You're getting evaluations done. There could be something wrong. We're not, we're not going to cover your insurance. So I didn't, wasn't able to go down to the States. You know what? As a consultant, as a single person who owns the company, you have two choices. You can fold up and close the door, or you can do what you can do. And my attitude has always been, <laughs> you know, treading water is not drowning. You know, and every small step forward is a victory. And I think that that was the way to do is, is it, and what it became into is the mantra is, this is my new normal. You know, my life is different. My life is absolutely different compared to where it was prior to the accident. And that's okay. There's different things that I can do and I can't do. And what I've realized is that this is what I specialize in. This is what I'm really good at. What I'm not good at, I'm going to find people who are good at those things and I'm going to hire them. You know, and I do it, you know, for me, I don't have internal staff. It's all, you know, it's all external and it's on contract basis. But what I've realized is instead of worrying about the fact that I can't do this and I can't do that anymore and I'm unable to do this and I'm unable to that, it's okay. Focus on what you're good at. Focus on what you can achieve. Focus on where your strengths are and find people out there that are really good at the things that you're not at and just hire them to take care of it and trust them to take care of it. And that's how I move beyond. Because if I just sat there and, and held the pity party and said, you know what? Oh my God, I can't do this and I can't do that. And I can't do the other thing. I never would have moved forward. You would have just sat there and you would have found me sitting in a pair of you know, sweatpants and a dirty t-shirt on the couch eating Doritos. <laughs> and, and that's, and that's just never been me. You know, um, you know, I'm a big believer of there is always a solution. There's always a way out. There's always some way to figure out to get beyond this. And it may not be obvious and it may not be easy, but, you know, with, with the mentors that I've had and the friends that I have and the relationships that I built with my customers, we found a way to be better all the way around because of it. Yeah. You're speaking, you're speaking to my heart here. Um, and what were some of the solutions that you've come up with in the last few years? Like maybe one of the craziest or maybe something that, you know, it was like, this is the absolute wrong way. This is the way I would least like to do this, but this is what works. Well, I used to have a mind like a steel trap. You know, it, when I got hit, it was a car accident. It was a brain injury. And I just, I don't have the memory that I used to have. I used to be able to remember everything. I would have 15 detailed discussions at any given time and be able to remember them, never have to write them down and do that. Everything today is diarized. Everything is written down. Everything is in a CRM. Everything is, okay, we had this conversation. Here's the details of that conversation you know, click a button, follow up. This is the day that we're going to follow up on it and be able to cut and paste and have all that information. So before I call Max, I can sit there and go, Max, six months ago, we talked about this. You know, this was the discussion. This is what we agreed to. 
Um, you asked me, you said you weren't ready to talk about it now. You're ready to talk about it. You said call you in six months is now the right time. So I know what we talked about now because I write everything down. And, you know, I carry a journal with me everywhere. When I'm out and about, I actually carry a notebook and I write notes and I transfer those notes to the computer when I get home. Uh, it's just the way that it works best for me. But for me, I never had to do that before. I, you know, it was just, it was just, I was going to remember and everybody knew I was going to remember all those intimate details. And the hardest thing for me was, realizing I don't remember all the details that I can do, but I've come up with a workaround that allows me to be as effective as I was because everything sits there in a digital data bank instead of inside my brain. Yeah. And then just one more part of this, you said you've always been this kind of a person that believes there has to be a solution. Where do you think that comes from in your personality? My dad, absolutely. My dad, um, I grew up with a father who was a contractor. He was, uh, he had a commercial renovations company, you know, fairly successful, ran it for about 35 or 40 years. He finally retired at age 77. But for him, there was always a solution. There was always a way. And I, and I, you know, started off working for him at probably age nine or 10, sweeping you know, the, the job site and getting cigarettes for the guys. But, I always remember watching him going, okay, what do we do now? How do we fix this? How do we make this right? How do we take care of the customer? How do we, you know, how do we solve this problem? And, you know, growing up, I grew up around him and his friends and the people that worked for him and everybody around him were problem solvers. They all sat there and said, okay, let's figure out how, you know, we've, we've, we've made lemons. How do we make lemonade out of this? And, uh, you know, it was, it was a great way to learn up, you know, to grow up because I was around people that believed that for every problem there was a solution. Yeah. I'm starting to believe that, um, as a group, even if their businesses weren't all that successful, that people who grow up in families that operate some type of business on their own, um, are more likely to have that problem solving approach the approach that there has to be an answer somewhere um because they 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 get used to not having the option of not finding that solution um Mm -hmm. as i like to tell people back when my family operated a traveling carnival people did not care what happened during the week all they wanted to know is on thursday or friday night could they ride to ferris wheel and buy a funnel cake and uh so you weren't so not getting open was not an option. And That's right. I've run into, you know, I've run into this with people who are in farming and ranching and people whose families have operated, uh, you know, old type mom and pop stores. And it does seem to be pretty common among people whose families have been in some sort of a business, even if the business wasn't all that successful. Yeah. And, you know, my father's business was not always successful, you know, and my business has not always been perfect. And, you know, we all go through hard times. Anybody who tells you that they had the perfect business that, you know, they, they came up with an idea and the next year they were a millionaire. You know what? Either they won the lottery or they're lying. There is, <laughs> there's, there is no such thing as a perfectly straight line to success. Everybody has challenges. Everybody has problems. Everybody, you know, runs into an issue somewhere. And it's a matter of sitting there going, some people fold 
and some people thrive. And the ones that thrive in the crisis, the people that can sit there and say, okay, what do we do now? What are we going to learn from this? How do we adjust and how do we move forward? Those are the people that will succeed and will always succeed. You know, and I don't care if you own your own business or you work for somebody else. It's a mentality of, all right, that really bit. I hated that. That didn't work. <laughs> you know, that really made me want to bounce my head off a wall. But okay, it happened. What did I learn from it? And how do we make sure that never happens again? And I think those are the people that no matter what will be successful in their own right. And now is there a way that we can instill that attitude in the members of a team and at a, in a business or in the corporate world? I think, I think, and, and you know, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting because I I've got a brand new course online that I've created and you can find it at courses.yourbrandmarketing.com. It's called How to Retain Employees Through Leadership. And one of the things I sit there, and one of the, the 10 lessons that I teach is, how do you teach people to celebrate failure? You know, and, and, and it's, it seems like an oxymoron, but you really need to make sure that your team celebrates failure because everybody wants to celebrate success. Everybody wants to sit there and say, we made the million dollars. We made a billion dollars. We, we, we got the new client, this, that, the other thing. What you need to do is sit there and say, okay, as a team, we tried this and it didn't work. All right. It didn't work. The world's not going to come to an end. What do we learn from this? How do we make this better? Who were the, who are the people that we didn't get involved that we need to get involved? Who did we need to get involved earlier that we didn't get involved? You know, how do we learn from this as a group? How do we move forward from this as a group? Because most groups sit there and say, as soon as something goes wrong, the finger comes out and everybody starts pointing in, in a in different direction. You know, if you can teach a team to sit there and say, look, we win together, we lose together. And when we lose, we're going to sit down and we're going to figure this out and maybe we'll have a pizza together and realize that, you know what? Let's sit there and say, how can we make this better? How can we turn this around? And just because we failed once doesn't mean that we're failures. It means that the direction that we went in didn't work. How do we shift to make this work, you know, to, to turn this negative into a positive long-term? And I think that, that a good leader teaches the team how to fail in a way that sits there and says, you know what? It's not over. We're at halftime. Where do we go from here? Yeah. So very important, and I'm glad you uh, took the opportunity to, to remind me about the course. It does sound like it uh, could be very helpful to, uh, to lots of businesses, not just to the, to the bigger ones that we would associate having a team. Um, now, if I'm not mistaken, you have uh, – you've, you've talked about, about social media at one point or another as far as uh, the effect it's having on people or the the way it, the way we we see ourselves or we see whatever it is we're feeling in the social media because that's the way the algorithms work or something like that yeah i mean was, the problem the problem with social media is that we get more of what we want 
and we're we're just fed more of what we want. If if you click on one article about Harry and and, and Meghan Markle, Marble, all of a sudden you're just going to start getting a thousand articles about the royal family. You know, if you do something about you know guys with Ferraris, all of a sudden you're going to get you know a, a thousand articles about guys with Ferraris. The algorithm sits there, and, and social media is designed in such a way that you get more about what you're looking for. The more you look for stuff, the more of it you're going to get. So the problem is you have these Gen Z's, millennials, even Gen Xers like myself, who sit there and they look at their social media feed and they sit there going, well, why is this person a vice president? Why am I not a vice president? Why does this person have a big house? And why don't I have a big house? Why does this person have, you know, the, the vacation home in the Bahamas and I don't, or it goes on this holiday and I don't because, you know, what, what we're seeing is one-tenth of one-hundredth of one percent of reality. But that's all we're seeing. We're not seeing what really happens in this person's life because how many people you know in social media talk about the bad things that happened in their lives on social media? Everybody talks about how great they are and how successful they are and how wonderful they are, and everybody glosses over the, the hard parts, the bad parts, because they just want to talk about their successes. And, and that's, you know, that's human nature. But if we don't realize that, if we don't realize that, you know what, there was a lot of heartache and headache and angst and anguish and stress that went into this person getting that Ferrari or the, or the $10 million house or whatever, we'll never see the real picture. And we'll never sit there and say, we're always trying to, you know, judge our success on the perceived success of somebody else. You know, people need to be successful in their own right. They need to set their own goals. They need to sit there and realize this is who I am. This is what success looks for me. And that's what you should judge success to be. You know, I'm not going to be Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm not going to be Sir Richard Branson. I'm not going to be Barack Obama. I'm going to be Ben Baker. And success for me is on my terms. And what, you know, rich for me is on my terms. And what, you know, a nice car is for me is on my terms, not on somebody else's. So the more we can sit there and say, live life on your terms, be authentically you, the happier people are going to be. And a great leader teaches people how to do that. So they're not sitting there constantly envious of something that may or may not be real. Yeah, uh, I am, you know, me personally, I'm, I'm well known for, for sharing the good and the bad on my social media accounts to the point that more than one coach has, has asked me, Max, I know you want to be authentic, but could you be positively authentic? <laughs> Which I think means could you use some more positive words to express what's going on in your life? And I'm like, well, you know, uh, I censor myself in my brain enough as it is. If I start, you know, wanting to write everything in a positive, in a positive expression, then it would get even worse. Um, the other thing that came to my mind while you were talking was uh, a few years ago, I was watching an episode of uh, NCIS and they had a, a guy on there that was wanting to commit suicide because his life was terrible. And one of the characters on the show talked him out of it by using this reference. He said, you know, on social media, there's no B side. And he said, you know, if you remember back when we used to buy 45 records 
There'd be a, the song on the front of that little record was always a good song. The song on the back of that record was usually garbage. Yeah, it was. And so, you know, there's, there's no B side in social media. And I, I just, I think what you were saying there is a, is a perfect expression of it. We've got these people who po- post nothing but the great stuff and it looks like everything in their life is perfect. And we have no way of knowing what their, what their emotional or physical well-being is as a result of accomplishing that goal. Yeah, it's true. And you know what? You never know what happens to them as soon as they sign off social media. You know, it's, it's like the great, it's like the, the great, you know, keynote speaker. And I, and I, you know, I do keynote speaking, I do workshops, I do consulting, but when you get off a stage, you know, people sit there and go, wow, you know, that was incredible. But they don't know the hours and hours and hours of, you know, agonizing over which story am I going to tell? How am I going to make this relevant to this audience? How am I going to, how am I going to connect with these people? How am I going to create visuals that, that resonate with these particular people? Because when I do a talk, yeah, the bare bones of the talk may be consistent, but I always, you know, customize my talk to the audience that I'm in front of. And people sit there and go, wow, it was, it was so simple. It was so easy. And you were so good, but they don't realize you know, the amount of work that it takes in the background to make it look seamless, you know, it, when, when I'm up there on stage. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like we're both storytellers when it comes to our speaking style. And I think because of that, more than once I've had people co- talk to me after a talk of like, you know, you don't look like this is even a big deal to you. Like this is just another day, another step, uh, another walk in the park or whatever. And I'm like, well, for me, it's all about being on mission. I'm so focused on what I'm doing that there really isn't time in my brain for fear. But uh, I hadn't really thought about it from your point of view that you've spent all that time agonizing over it beforehand that when the event actually happens, it's really it's really not that stressful to you at that point. No, because by that time, I know, I know the stories I'm going to tell. I know, you know the basic idea of who's in the audience, because when I'm telling a story, going back to our original conversation about storytelling, it's all about the audience. It's all about the people that you're telling the story to and how do you make it relevant to them? So I am so concentrated on making sure that I connect with that audience and that it's relevant to those particular people. And they walk out the door with something that they can grab a hold of and resonated with them and they can act upon that. It's not about me anymore. It's not, it's not about, you know, it's not about the number of people that are in front of me or the bright lights or the, you know, the cameras or whatever. None of that matters to me. It's about afterwards sitting down with those people and say, you know what, that really resonated with me. You know, I'm going to be able to go out and do X because of the conversation that you, you had with us on stage, you know, and it takes a lot of effort ahead of time to make sure you understand who the people are that you're talking to. And then once you're on that stage, you know, which is like being on social media, you're just talking to your audience. You're just having a conversation. And that's why, you know, that's why I love podcasting so much because it's all about listening to the people that you're talking to, caring about them enough and understanding how are you going to make their lives better? 
Yeah. The other thing about it is, is, is as long as you remember, it's just a conversation between two people, no matter how many people may hear it down the road, you can have a real connection. You can learn some things from each other. And I rarely have a, I rarely have a show where I don't learn at least one thing or get reminded of something that maybe I have, haven't been, been so mindful of recently. And something that occurred to me is, is, you know, for those of y'all who don't know how this happened, me and Ben met because we were doing an ex, uh, a conversation on Twitter about booking speaking events. And somebody was, you know, was so happy about a friend of ours getting a great opportunity to speak in London, England this week or next week or something. Yeah. Shout out to Maura. Yeah. Shout out to Maura Sweeney, the happiness ambassador, one of the greatest friends I've ever made in my life. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, com, And, um, and somebody said, yeah, I need to get you to book for me because, or I need to get an agent. And Mars was, that, that was my joke to her. I said, I said, yeah. I said, I need your booking agent. <laughs> and her response was, I don't have one. Uh, I get these, I get these bookings because of people I've connected with over the years who, or who, who feel like they've connected with me through my online content. And they find me and they say, hey, you need to come to my event or you need to go to so-and-so's event. And she even went further and said that she has never gotten a uh, a serious booking through any of the speakers bureaus that she's part of. And yeah. that the, most of the bureaus she's talked to are like talking to most of the publishers nowadays. If you don't have a, a, a huge platform already, they don't want to work with you. So uh, I just think that's really funny because a lot of people would assume that Mara must have some sort of secret weapon or she's got a great agent. Uh, there has to be some reason why she's getting those. And it really comes down to personal connections, storytelling, being authentic out online, you know? Yeah. She is her own secret weapon. She truly is. I mean, she, she is being authentically her. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. I mean, that's, that's the premise of my book, Powerful Personal Brands. It's about understanding who you are and just being you. And the more people understand who you are and you're, you, whether you're in front of one person, a thousand people, social media, on stage, whatever, people are going to resonate with people that are authentic no matter where they are, where the message is the same, the person is the same. You, know, the, you look people in the eye, you shake their hand, and you're genuinely interested in them. They're going to be interested in you. And she's, she's amazing that way. Yeah, she is. And she started out life planning to be an attorney and uh, was pretty close to completing that process when she decided this isn't who I want to be or what I want to do. And she's, you know, really been amazing from, from there forward. And uh, you know, it's, it's really cool when you, you can, you can connect with people like that through social media it makes all that other crap on Facebook and Twitter worthwhile when you can, when you connect with Amara or an Alex Ecorigi or a Ben Baker, you know, it's, uh, so tell me a little bit more about your book and some of the things that you, uh, that you've come to the conclusions as far as, as, uh, how that book came about and what, what you hope people will learn from it. Yeah. The, the book is a year and a half old or almost a year and a half old. I, I, I launched it in September of 2018. The book came about because I do a lot of mentorship and a lot of uh, coaching up at the university level. And about three or four times a year, I go up to the university for a day and I work with third level uh, business students 
on networking skills and interview skills. And we run okay. them through, you know, they come up to you, they got to, they got to, you know, pitch you through, through a, uh, through a network thing. And then, then they have to go through a couple of interviews with you uh, for a day. It's a lot of fun, you know, and some of these kids are brilliant. Some of these kids are absolutely brilliant. The problem is most of them can't tell you their own story. If you paid them a million bucks, you know, they sit there and go, well, I, I graduated from this school and, and this is my GPA and, and these are the courses I took, but it's not telling people to say, okay, I took this because I wanted to learn this and this is how I can be valued to you because of, because of, of this thing, this, this, and this that I learned. And I really think that we could do this together. You know, they don't have that skill because they just don't have a life experience and no one's teaching them this. And I started looking at this going, people need to learn how to understand, codify and communicate their value to others. They have to learn how to do that. And I said, all right, I went looking for a book and I couldn't find one. So I wrote it. It's about 200 pages. It's stories from my life, ideas that came out of it, lessons learned. And at the end of most chapters, I pose a question and leave you two or three pages of blank lines where you can write your own answers to the questions. And it really is. It's a workbook and it's designed for introspection and, and to, to allow you to understand who you truly are. What's the hill you want to die on? What are the things you stand for? What are the things you fight against? You know, what are the things that are important to you in your world? And, and who are you as a person? You know, what are you passionate about? And it's amazing if you ask people time and time again, what are you passionate about? And they'll give you some glib answer and then you ask them why, and they can't tell you. And it's the why that's the most important thing. And that's what I try to get through this book is getting people to understand it's that Simon Sinek, start with why, what is your why? What, you know, we understand what you do, why do you do it? And if I, I think if I can teach people how to understand why they do what they do, they're going to be far more effective at whatever they do in life. Yeah, I, that's, that's definitely the truth. Uh, and I have been around a lot of people who couldn't give you that second answer. Uh, and last summer, I was fortunate enough to get to do a similar exercise that you've done with your college students with a bunch of uh, high school and first year college students that are visually impaired at a thing called uh, in level up put on by a group called envisions at Wichita state last summer and helping those students do their uh, figure out what their elevator pitch is, what their, what their why is and what their, what their goals are and how they might be able to help a future uh, employer. That was one of the most uh, exciting parts of the whole week was being involved in, and helping those young kids who, you know, have a, have so much bigger dreams than I ever had at that age, figure out, well, how do I express this to other people who don't know me yet? Absolutely. And that's, that's so important. It is, it is so important to be able to sit there and say, okay, over a lifetime, I've amassed a certain amount of knowledge, you know, made a lot of mistakes, you know, been down a lot of holes. How do I help other people avoid those holes? How do I help them make their lives better? How can, how can I be there for other people to help them be better versions of themselves? I don't want them to be better versions of me. 
I want them to be better versions of themselves. Yep. So what are you, uh, besides the, besides the course, um, do you have any other things that are coming up that you, uh, you have any, any interesting speaking events that you're going to be doing or just, just what's going on with Ben? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple different things. I'm, I've got, uh, I'm working on a, a speaking tour, hopefully, hopefully one in Europe right now and hopefully one in Australia in August. So, I, I, you know, we're at the, we're at the early stages of both of those things. Um, you know, I've got people working on them right now to be able to put together two or three weeks in Australia, in Sydney, Brisbane and, and Melbourne. Hopefully that's going to come through and, and be able to do some keynote addresses and some workshops and also do the same thing in Europe, um, you know, probably later on in the year. And, you know, I really like doing the combination where you do a keynote the night before, and then you do a workshop the next day for, you know, a, a client facing keynote address and then, a, and then a workshop for the staff the next day. It's, it's a really fun experience and, and really adds value. So those are the type of uh, projects that, that I tend to do mostly of. Okay. Now, one of the things I am known for is asking questions of my guests that answer questions that I want to ask. So I have to, I cannot not ask you this. How does somebody go about scheduling a speaking tour in the U S much less in Europe and Australia? I mean, how does that happen? You know what? It's a lot of it comes down to strategy conversations and you know, objectives. You have to sit there and say, okay, who are the, who are the companies out there that I want to talk to? First of all, I'll be able to sit there and, and figure out a region where, where do I want to go? Cause you don't want to be going from, you know, with, in the States from LA to New York, to Houston, to Miami, back to Seattle and this, you want to be able to, you know, to right. do it in a, in a logical fashion. Right. You know, yeah. um, what I like to do and I, what I, I'm trying to do more and more is find larger companies with offices across the United States or Canada and be able to sit there and say, we'll speak for you in five or six different cities and do a roadshow. Right. So then if you get them to say yes, you don't have to get somebody, you don't have to get five or six people to say yes. You just have to get the one company to say yes on several several locations. Okay. And and the trick is, is is to find it. What's, what's going to make it valuable for them. What's going to make it valuable for them? How How is doing this roadshow going to solve a problem that they have? How is having me speak to their people going to solve a problem that they have? How is this going to make them val- more valuable to their clients? How is this going to help cement relationships in, inside the company? And it's a matter of doing a lot of research to sit there and say, you know, how do I really add value? And am I adding value? You know, and, and I think that that's the first question I ask is, who can I add value to and how can I add value to them? And if I can do that, then I can design a pitch that, that, is, that, you know, that has some legs to it. If you just go up to say somebody says, so, so do, you do, you know, do, you, do you hire international speakers? Oh, okay. Uh, you know, I'd like to give you my, my pitch deck. Um, you're one of 10,000 people or one of 1,000 people or one of 500 people that are going to walk in their door wanting to talk to them about that. If you can walk in and sit there and say, listen, I've been doing some research. I see that, you know, 
you've been having challenges with this, this, and this. I speak on that. You know, I'd love to be able to sit there and say, if we could create a joint venture where I can come aboard and do a speaking tour for you on this, and I think that this is what this will, this speaking tour will be able to solve, would you be interested? I think that that's gonna that would be a far better way to get somebody else's ears to perk up. Right, and how do you? Where is the starting point for the research? I, mean, I think for me, it's LinkedIn. A good match for. LinkedIn, Me, right. it's LinkedIn. I, you know, I'm, I'm a big lover of LinkedIn and to sit there and say, you know, and I'll do Google alerts, you know, I'll, I'll say, you know, com- you know, uh, you know, Google alerts, com- companies that are, are, you know, having, a, you know, three bad quarters in a row or, you know, figure, you know, uh, companies with, with high overturn or com- companies going through, gro- you know, growth strategy, you know, you know, look at, look at different things to sit there and say, right. who's having problems. You know, who, who's having okay. problems and what kind of problems are they having? Okay. Yeah. All right. And then just one last question in this area, because I, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm starting to get to that point where I should be hiring you instead of questioning you. <laughs> uh, you know, a little bit about my story. If yeah. you were going to pitch me, what would you, where, where would you advise me to, to start? Because there's quite a bit to the story. And there's several different way directions I could go in it, depending on what types of companies I was going to be targeting. I I think for you, and and this goes to every single speaker out there, you need to sit there and say, this is who I want, what I want to be known for. This is exactly what I want to be known for. And we need to all stop trying to be everything to everybody. You know, the more we can sit there, the more we can specialize and say, these are the type of audiences that I speak to, and this is what I speak about them more. more our speaker's fee goes from ten to twenty-five to fifty to hundred thousand dollars. You know, and it and it becomes you may do less events, but that's not so terrible doing le- you know, if you're getting more money doing fewer events is not so terrible. No, it's so true. it's a it's a matter of sitting going that says who are the people I truly can help? How do I help them? And what makes me unique? You know, the, the blind blogger, you know, gives you, gives you a cachet. It absolutely gives you a cachet. You know, the fact that, that you talk about adver- you know, overcoming adversity, you know, gives you cachet. The fact that you have the story of, you know, being in the carny business gives you cachet. The trick is, is how do you sit there and say what type of organizations are companies that have gone through, are going through challenges that are facing adversity and are looking for ways to come around the other side. Okay. And those are the people that you need to be talking to. Okay. And I, I really, I really do appreciate this because I understand this is what you do for a living. And so you basically just dropped a lot of professional work on me. So thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. I like keeping other people busy. So hope, hopefully, you yeah. know, there's a lot of people that are going to get in touch with me at yourbrandmarketing.com and yeah. I'll be able to, you know, offer them some consulting, some workshops or some keynotes, but you know what? It goes both ways. Yeah. Now there was just one more thing I wanted to make sure I asked you about because it's something I really believe in and I saw it on your 
on your website, I guess you'd call it your bio, it says you think that one of your best traits is your curiosity. And that really struck me because I read Elizabeth Gilbert's book two years ago called Big Magic. Yeah. And in there she, she shares a story about how she got out of a writing rut because she got curious about the flowers in her garden. And that led her to a philosophy that when you're, that passion will desert you, but curiosity will always be there to carry you through. I love, I love that. That's a, that's a great uh, quote. I, you know, I, I'd actually forgotten that quote, but that's a, that's a great quote to have. Curiosity leads me to ask that one more question. And, you know, sometimes cl- clients get frustrated because I sit there and say, well, what do you mean by that? Or why do you do that? Or, okay, you've, you've always done it that way. Why? You know, what, what's the history behind this? And for me, it's, it's always trying to figure out another piece of the puzzle. Because my attitude is my job as a consultant, my job coming in is to sit there and say, I don't know everything. A lot of consultants walk in the door saying, I'm the pro from Dover. I know everything. I can fix your problem. I walk in the door, sit there going, you're a unique business. You've gotten to this point because of things that you've done in the past. I need to understand the past. And I also need to understand where you want to go before I can help you build that bridge. So I need, you know, the more questions I can ask, the more curious I can be, the more I can sit there and say, well, why? (laughs) Um, The more valuable I become. Well, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to, to sit down with me today. Um, you know, this, this happened very quickly, pretty much overnight. But, it did. You know, we were, the way our conversation was going on Twitter when you said, Max, uh, I want to go ahead and do this, I thought, well, we, we, we might as well. We, we need to go ahead and do it because, it, you know, it kind of speaks to my, my brand because I like to say sometimes that procrastination is just another type of fear. So, uh, you know, part of me was like, well, let's put this off. But then the rest of me was like, oh, we're getting along so good on Twitter. We might as well, let's go ahead and do this now. So I appreciate it. And uh, I think, I think it went, uh, I think it went really well today. And I think you've shared a lot of things that are going to have my, uh, my listeners, maybe Maybe they won't take action, but I think they'll at least be thinking about things in a different way. I think you challenged them quite a bit uh, with what you shared with us. Well, and I think that, you know, nobody should be taking action right away. People should be sitting there going, okay, let's reflect. You know, you can't, you can't spend all your time on strategy. You can't spend all your time in reflection. Eventually you need to actually do something. And even if you don't do it right, you know, you could always, you could always, you could always fix it. But the companies that just sit there and say, okay, I'm just going to strategize and, and try to make it perfect. There is no perfect. There is no such no. thing as perfect. There is, there is Rev 1.02537 for a reason, <laughs> you know, uh, and Rev 2.842 for a reason. You know what? We're always supposed to be augmenting. We're always supposed to be experimenting. We're always supposed to be sitting there going, how do we make this just a little bit better? And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. And if it doesn't work, you know what? What did Edison say? I didn't fail 10,000 times. I just found 10,000. You know, it took me 10,000 ways to figure out how to make the light bulb. Yeah. 
And, you know, I've always thought about that, about that expression that there are people who will tell you it didn't take 10,000, but I think Edison knew the value of an exaggeration. That's right. I told you a million times, never exaggerate. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I've really appreciated it. I've had fun talking with you, Ben. Uh, why don't you finish uh, by uh, reminding people how they can find you and where they can, where they can get your course. Absolutely. And, uh, Everything and anything is available through the yourbrandmarketing.com website. My online courses, my workshops, my consulting, my podcast, my, uh, my speaking, everything is available through yourbrandmarketing.com. I put it in one place. If you get to the Get Started page, you'll be able to find how to get in touch with me. Actually, in the top right-hand corner of every page is my uh, my email and my phone number. So go to yourbrandmarketing.com. Everything is sitting there. And uh, I'm going to give your audience a special treat for my course, How to Retain Employees Through Leadership. If they put in the code FRIENDSOFBEN50, that's friends with an S of Ben 50, they get $50 off the course. Okay. Well, we definitely appreciate free and cheap here on the What's Your Excuse show. And uh, I'll be curious to see if uh, any of my audience take advantage of that offer. I would love to be able to say that um, that we introduced at least one uh, new student to the, to the course. That would be really cool. So, That'd be awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. And I uh, hope you have a good weekend. Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you. Well, we had another great conversation, this time with uh, Ben Baker from uh, yourbrandmarketing.com. And, you know, I liked a lot of what he was saying about uh, storytelling, but I never thought about it in terms of from the inside of a company, through internal communications, and having your employees from the bottom up understanding the the mission objective, the goals, the history, the background, the traditions of a given company. So that was a totally new way to look at storytelling. You all know I really love storytelling. It's something that in our family, of back when we still had the carnival, there was lots of times we did that to pass time when things weren't going the way we wanted them to go or when we'd be going down the road to the next town. So. I appreciate good storytellers. Um, And I loved what he said about how his dad taught him to be resilient, how to find solutions, that there had to be a solution, made him a better problem solver. And it's never bad when your guest agrees with you when I was talking to him about how people who grew up in families that operate small businesses tend to be more uh, problem solving uh, oriented tend to have more skills as far as finding creative solutions and looking at things in a different way so that you can see how to get to that next step. And I really appreciate that. And uh, I was happy that, you know, we communicated as people who, you know, have, have started to build a friendship, which is something a lot of people tell you can't do online, but it seems to happen to me quite often I think that's because I keep my heart and my mind open to meeting people, to learning about them and seeing how we can help each other as opposed to seeing how can I make them buy something for me or how can I sell to them or how can I use them to get to my next goal? And I know I'm known for asking for lots of things for myself. I'm often 
asking people to have me on their podcast or on their stage or uh, to include me in some other project. I understand that. But for the most part, I really want to bring value and help other people succeed with their events. And you can ask, uh, I'm one of the, I'm, I'm very generous when it comes to sharing other people's content on social media. I am often inviting and encouraging people to tag me on Facebook or Twitter so that I know what's going on in their lives and can help draw attention to what they're doing. And the most fun I have of anything I do is helping people get exposure for their brands and their passions. Uh, and so it's, you know, it's great that I've been able to make a business out of this online media stuff where I connect you and other creative entrepreneurs with opportunities to share your story and grow your business. So if you don't know what your story is, or if you're not sure it's a powerful enough story to be telling, then let's get on the line. We'll talk about it. And if you really want to drive traffic to your blog, your podcast, that book, album, or film project you're working on, you need to be on my show. You need to be on other people's shows. You need to be being interviewed and sharing your story on podcasts and radio shows. And you can find me at theblindblogger.net. That's where you can also listen to the What's Your Excuse show. You can also say, Alex, play the What's Your Excuse show, or you can say, Google, talk to the What's Your Excuse show, and they'll show up. Same as with the blind blogger. You can say, uh, Alexa, play the blind blogger, or Google, talk to the blind blogger. And, of course, to remind you of my sponsor, Chip Edwards at createmyvoice.com, you can say, Alexa, talk to create my voice or Google, excuse me, Alexa, play create my voice or Google talk to create my voice. And they have a form on there where you can schedule a time to talk with Chip and Pam and learn more about what they do. And oh yeah, he said the one thing I need to make sure I explain is that just like with website domain names, invocation names, that's the name people use when they want to find you. There's a limited number of those. Once somebody claims one, nobody else can have the exact same one. So if there's something in your name and your branding that you want to be known as on Google, Alexa, and the other wireless speaker platforms, then you really need to go ahead and claim it now. And Chip's the guy who can help you with that. And then neatoshop.com, that's where I have my shirts printed. They have a great uh, quality. Pricing is good. The, the share with the, as far as how much I get out of each shirt is generous. The submission process to put new artwork up is very easy. And uh, Alex will talk you through the whole process if you need him to. And just reach out to him. There's an email address on that website, needleshop.com. And tell him Max or the blind blogger told you that um, you should get a hold of him concerning your merchandise printing. Okay, theblindblogger.net. You can... Uh, reach out to me for public speaking. You can buy the merchandise at the What's Your Excuse store. And I would love to uh, find a new person with a great story that I can help share. So appreciate it. Until next time, thank you and take care out there. This is Maxwell Ivy. I am the blind blogger. This has been the What's Your Excuse show. Too many times we stand aside. And let the water slip away to what we put off to tomorrow has finally come today. So don't stand upon the shoreline. 
and say you're satisfied. Choose to chance the rapids and dare to dance the tide.